had uh, some high and lofty, lofty goals um, of covering um, most of chapter 4 of Acts. And I really intended to, to cover from verses 13 to 31. And uh, as you know, I didn't get to do that. But today is a new day. And I have every intentions in covering from verses 23 to 31 this morning. So um, you should be at Acts chapter 4 by now. And so uh, let's begin in verse 23. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when, they had, and when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do, did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they, all, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And Father, we ask that, God, you would just allow me just the opportunity, Lord God, to, to just share what you've laid on my heart about this portion of Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The first part of, the, of this chapter has to do with the fact that, and if you've been here with us, you understand, has to do with the fact that Peter and John, they have been used in such a powerful way, if you remember in chapter 3, what they got to do. But chapter 4 just kind of gives us a little bit more insight of, of what God was doing in and among them. These guys had got to heal, were, were used in a powerful way to heal a 40-year-old man who had been lame from his mother's womb. And for that, they, are now take, they were taken into custody <clears throat> Overnight, the next morning, they meet with the Sanhedrin council and they're threatened not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. To that, James or John and Peter basically say to them, you do what you have to do. Because we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. In other words, we're going to go right back out there and do this. So you guys, again, before you let us go, you make that decision. These poor religious leaders, you almost want to feel bad for them, but I don't. <laughs> These poor guys 
had to deal with Jesus. And they dealt with him by putting him to death. But God raises him from the dead. They can't even get that one right, right? And now they're having to deal with the disciples. And these disciples have met the risen Christ. And there's something that's happened to them because they're not cowering. They're not in fear. They're not scared of these guys. These guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. With the same spirit that, that they try to put to death. They have the spirit of Jesus living in, in them. And there's this boldness that, that's coming out from them. And so they stand up to these guys and say, Hey, you do what you got to do because we're going to go right back out there and do the same thing that we just got busted for. And so in verse 23 it says, And being let go... Again, these guys try to find anything possible to keep them there, but being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. In other words, the Sanhedrin council couldn't keep them in custody anymore. It wasn't for a lack of trying, but it wasn't illegal to, to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus. Again, this was something totally new. These guys had never done that before, and these guys had not, had not dealt with something like that before. And so because they couldn't keep them any longer, they were permitted to, to go, to let go. to be. Now, now, you can bank on the fact that after that, they were still gathered together, and they're probably going to start making legislation here to outlaw this teaching and preaching and mentioning the name of Jesus. But for now, further threatenings would suffice. So they threaten them some more, and then they go, okay, you guys go ahead and leave, and they permit them to go. As I stated last week, there's just something about that name that gets people riled up. The name of Jesus. I mean, for some, for <clears throat> the Bible tells us, and we covered it a few weeks ago, that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved or we must be saved. I mean, it is an amazing name that it brings about salvation in the life of people. It transforms people for all of eternity. It changes their destiny. And yet for others... It brings out the worst in them. <laughs> and not just in people, but in nations. The name of Jesus, there's just something about that name that gets under people's skin. And so they're being let go, and then it says that they went to their own companions. I love the fact that from that time that we're looking at in our text, from, from that time on, to this day, right now even. Those who follow after the Lord, those who are called by His name, are a part of something that is much bigger than us. We get to be a part of the body of Christ, His church. And in times of difficulty, in times of persecution, in times of whatever we're going through, we have the opportunity to gather together with one another. To strengthen one another. To be there for one another. Now I know that sometimes on Sunday morning it's like, no, we just sit here and listen to you. 
the most important part of service is like 15 minutes before and maybe a half hour after where we're ministering to one another. But we have that opportunity that if something happened in your life and you've gotten to know people within the body of Christ, whether at this church or another church, but your brothers and sisters in the Lord, you have the opportunity to be able and go, go to them and be a part of them to be strengthened by them and you to, for, for them as well. We get to be a part of something like that. These guys, they had not faced anything like this before, but Jesus told them, hey, you guys will be brought to councils. Don't worry about what to say. I will tell you what to say. And, and the, the, the great thing about it is that afterwards, they were able to come together with other believers to find strength, to be there for one another because we are a part of something. It says that they went to their own companions. That phrase, own companions, can be translated, they went to their own company or people. But it carries with it pertaining to oneself, one's own, of what is one's own in opposed to belonging to another, used for what pertains to one's property, family, dwelling, country, etc. I think that was from the Thayer's Greek lexicon. In other words, you get to, to go to your own because you have all things in common. Jesus being the factor there, the determining factor. It's interesting because what we'll start in our next study in verse 32, we won't cover it today, but it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say to any of, uh, anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. They had, they had somehow become part of each other. Only because they had become part of who Christ is. And being a part of who Christ is, you become part of a body. Something that, that's come together. Something that works together. Something that's there for one another. I, I, I love the, the analogy in First. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he talks about being part of a body and how the body functions and that we cannot say, well, I'm not, I'm not one of those or I'm not that or I'm this, but I'm not that. No, it all comes together. It's all knitted together. We are part of a body of believers. Jesus being the head of the body and we are just part of that. And we get to come together. I love the fact that, again, we belong to one another. We're here to, to strengthen one another. Again, just, just in the natural physical body, when you're, when you're hammering a nail and you hit the wrong nail, right? How that whole body just reacts because somebody is hurting or one part. And, and everything, man, just zeroes in on that. I'm thinking of my thumb. Everything from head to toe, man, is now focused on this thing. And you're just like, you know, you're, you're just like however you're going to take care. That's, that's what we're a part of. 
that we could to come and, and strengthen one another and be a part of one another. And when one part is hurting, the other part is there to compensate, to encourage, to lift up. And the reason is because we belong to one another. Only because we belong to Christ. I love what Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to give you plenty of scripture today so you can be writing stuff down. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6, it says, Having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Guys, we have been adopted because he has already predestined that so that we can become sons by Jesus Christ to himself and we become part of this body and we are accepted. We're part of something bigger than who we are. We get to come and be with one another. We get to do this corporately on certain days of the week, but there's nothing holding you back from being part of each other's lives throughout the week. And having that cohesiveness with one another and even within your own family. Because we belong to Christ. There, there's a saying that, that, that is going around in some Christian circles. And it says, you don't have to believe to belong. Now, I, I, I understand. It sounds great. In other words, hey, anybody can come in. And I get that. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's like, hey, come on in. You don't have to believe like me to be a part of us. And, and I get that. <laughs> but spiritually speaking and scripturally speaking, it doesn't make sense. Because it's, it's, it's not true. You can be here, but you still don't belong here until you belong to Christ. You know what I'm saying? Again, we'll accept you, even if you're not... A, a Christian right now, yeah, you're more than welcome. But there's something different once you become a believer and you belong to Christ. Now you're part of something bigger. And so I, I, I don't fault those churches or those people, those communities who are saying, hey, come on in. You don't have to believe to belong. You belong with us. It says that they, they came together to their own companions and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, when they came together, this wasn't going to be a murmuring meeting. It wasn't going to be a complaining conference or even a gossip gathering. It was going to be a testimony time. <laughs> because it was about to turn into a praise worship and prayer service. And I would have to say that that would be hard to do when you truly don't believe. If you don't believe in the one that you're, you're about to, to praise, worship, and pray to, I, I, I would say that that's, it would be hard to belong to something like that. Guys, there, there's times for outreach. There's times for, for people to go out, and we've seen that in this story that we've been covering for over a month, 
where Peter and John, they did some outreach. They were going out. I mean, they, it was unexpected. But at one point, they reached out to a guy who had been lame all his life and pulled him out of where he had been for all of his life. There's a time for that, that you pull him out. But this time that we are looking at here, it was now for a time for in-reach. It was a time to gather together with your spiritual family. Because what was about to happen was some upreach. <laughs> and that would be hard to belong to if you really don't believe it in the first place. So again, it kind of goes in order. It's hard to, to, to believe or to belong if you don't truly believe. Now, I'm going to move on from that and get off my little soapbox there. But it says in verse 24, So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I find it fascinating as we've been going through our text and through the story, that even though we see the beginning of persecution towards the church, here, this is where it starts, that they didn't head for the hills. <laughs> they didn't bail. They didn't run and hide when, when the going got tough. They didn't contemplate going, I don't know if this Jesus stuff is working. Here we do something good, we get persecuted for it, we get threatened for it. I, I don't know if I can continue walking with Jesus. Because doing something good can get you in some serious problems and trouble with the Sanhedrin. No, they didn't head for the hills, nor did they run and hide, nor did they contemplate leaving Jesus or, or having their faith all shattered. It says that they, they raised their voice to God in one accord. There was harmony. There was unity. They were going to start worshiping because they just went through a really, really hard time. And they were threatened not to do it again. And I love the fact that when they got together, I don't think they were really complaining. They just said, here, this is what happened. This is why we're, we're in this situation. <clears throat> and instead of everybody getting all angry and stuff, they're going to start worshiping. The phrase, Lord, you are good, or you are God, is better translated, O sovereign Lord. O oh, Sovereign Lord, in some of your translations, it might have that. I think the NIV has it like that. So in essence, as they are faced with persecution, they acknowledge God's sovereignty. They, they, they acknowledge His, His creative power of who He is. Lord, You are sovereign. You know it all. And You are the creator of heaven and earth and everything that dwells in it. That, that is to say, as our sovereign God and as our creator, you are in complete control of everything that happens. Everything that's just happened to us over the last 24 hours, Lord, you have been in complete control of that. 
And because of that, they had no fear. And I think that's important for us to understand that if you understand the sovereign God, now I'm not saying that you understand His sovereignty. I'm just saying you understand that there is a sovereign God. I would never claim to know God's sovereignty, why exactly He does what He does. I just know that there is a sovereign God who is in complete control of my life and our lives, and He knows everything from beginning to end in all of the world, not just my little world. <laughs> okay, I could be narcissistic and think everything does revolve around me. Now, if I know that there is a sovereign God and I know that I am part of Him, that I belong to Him because I believe in Him, because I love Him, because I've been predestined into this family, then it would be in my best interest, no matter what's going on in my life, to praise, worship, and, 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 and uh, pray to Him. That, that would be in my best interest. Why? Because He's in complete control. If my whole world is falling apart, do I run for the hills? Do I run and hide? Do I say, I don't know if I can believe in Jesus right now because my life is just falling apart? Or do I go, Lord, are you still on the throne? You're still in control? Okay. Then, then somehow you're going to see me through this. You see, when we understand that there is a sovereign Lord, that He is God and that He's created everything. And I am part of that because I've been adopted and I am accepted in the Beloved. Then I could rest assured that all things, no matter what they, do, what, what they are, all things work together for His good. And for my good. Because I love Him and He loves me. And He has called me for His purpose. Not for my purpose. I think that's where we miss it. Because <laughs> we often think, no, it's all about me. The world does revolve around me. It's like, no, it doesn't. It revolves around Him and who He is. And when you can have your mind shifted like that in such a place that everything that we go through is not for you, it's for Him. And whatever He has already predetermined in our lives, if we can understand that and say, okay, how do I fit in that? Instead of going, how do I change that? <laughs> because that would be our first reaction. <laughs> how do I change and get out of the circumstance right now in the situation? Instead of going, Lord, this is a bad situation. Oh, man. How do you work in that one? How, do you, how, how does this fit in with your purpose? And what you've already determined. So if we can understand that and have that mind shift to where He is the Sovereign Lord, then I can praise Him and I can worship Him and I can pray to Him no matter what's going on in my life. Good, bad, or indifferent. I have the opportunity to sit at His feet. I don't have to complain. I don't have to murmur. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to do any of those things. I can just spend time with Him to go, okay, Lord, how do, how do I move from here? What's your next step? Verses 25 to 28 in the Amplified goes like this. Who by the mouth 
of our forefather David, your servant and child, said through the Holy Spirit, Why do the heathen Gentiles become wanton and insolent and rage? And the people imagine and study and plan vain, fruitless things that do not that will not succeed. Verse 26, the kings of the earth took their stand in array for attack, and the rulers were assembled and combined together against the Lord and against his anointed Christ, the Messiah. 27. For in this city they're actually met and plotted together against your holy child and servant Jesus, whom you consecrated by anointing, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to carry out to carry out all that your hand and your will and purpose had predestined, predetermined to occur. What, what they're doing is acknowledging the sovereign God going, okay, what has just happened we can relate to because it's, it's already been predicted. It's already been set in motion by you who is the sovereign God. Now understand what's happening here is that their prayer is solely based on the word of God. Their prayers, as they began to acknowledge him, they went to Psalm chapter or, or Psalm 2. And they began to pray that prayer. It was a psalm. They began to pray those, those verses that were in there to acknowledge what was going on in their lives. You see, the Word of God and prayer, they must go hand in hand in our lives. Again, if it's hard for you to pray, learn the Word of God, and I could guarantee you, you will start praying God's will here because you will be praying oftentimes what the Word of God says already. Not that you're reminding them so he can change his mind. You're reminding them to go, Lord, I know what your Word says. And so these guys, they began to pray the Word of God. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done. And I know some people is like, anything I desire? <laughs> According to His will. Again, you're praying the Word of God. I could guarantee you, man, He is taking notes. I like that. <laughs> Very astute there. You see, His Word, in His Word, God speaks to us. And it tells us what He wants to do. So when we pray, we speak to Him and make ourselves available to accomplish His will and His purpose. See, some of you guys are going, whoa, 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 stop there. <laughs> I thought when I spoke to him, I told him what I want. I bring out my laundry list or my shopping list and say, here's where you need to be working right now in my little life. But again, the Word of God speaks to us, and when we speak to him, it's, it's only to say, where do I fit in with your plan? What is your purpose in my life? I want to accomplish what you want me to accomplish, not what I want to accomplish. You see, true prayer is not telling God what to do. It's asking God, what is your will? 
What is your will in us and through us? You see, it means getting God's will done here on earth, not man's will done in heaven. And I think oftentimes we have that so shifted, <laughs> so turned around. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, similar to, to the verse I just shared with you in John 15. But it says in, in, in 1 John 5, 14 and, and 15, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of Him. What, what we see here is that they did not pray for their circumstances to change. Nor did they pray that their, their, their enemies, the Sanhedrin, would be pulled out of office. They didn't pray that. Instead, they asked God to empower them and make the best out of the circumstance and then to, to accomplish what He had already determined and purposed for them. Because you see in verse 28, again, he, after their prayer, uh, in, in verses 25 and 26, Psalm 2, they acknowledge that truly against your holy servant, Jesus, these guys came against to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand. In other words, if God the Father knew and allowed to be done to God the Son, then why shouldn't He allow us to go through similar things? Given the fact that we have God the Holy Spirit living in us. If God allowed the, the, His Son to go through it, then again, we're part of that. He already knows that the world is against His Son. And if you claim to be a part of his son's family, then guess who's the target? You are. Jesus is no longer here in that sense. So the world comes after that name, and we are called by that name. And so when we have to go through what we go through, then we can understand that the Lord, his hand has already gone before us in the predetermined circumstances that are set for us. Again, it, it, it kind of frees us up that no matter what we go through, we're still good with Him. <laughs> we're still okay. These guys had no clue if they would live or, or die, but they were let go. And they know they're going to go do the same thing because they know that they've been called to that. And so they're going, okay, Lord, if it's already predetermined, then we're already going to go and do what you've called us to do because you've called us to go do that because we belong to him, we believe in him. Now, this isn't fatalism, pessimism, nor is it defeatism, but faith in the Lord who rules over everything. He, we have faith in the Lord of history, if you will. Guys, when we read the word of God, he has come through for every last one of His people. What makes you think that you're not part of that? 
And if, he is, if you are in Him, you belong to Him because you believe in Him, then what makes you think that He's going to leave you high and dry? Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you think that He's big enough to, to work in that? To turn bad situations for His glory? To use them in other people's lives? Absolutely. To fulfill His perfect plan. Guys, He's always been victorious. And the Bible says that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And He will use whatever happens in our lives, good, bad, or indifferent, for His glory. One way or another. They asked for divine enablement not to escape so much the situation. And God gave them the power that they needed, just like He did with Jesus. You see, they were asking according to His will, which was what they had just gone through. Doing something good, getting put in jail, being threatened not to ever do it again in the name of Jesus. And they're going, we can't help it. We're going to go do that again. And they were willing to pay the consequences. And He gave them what they needed that very moment for that day. I'm not saying that they had that much courage tomorrow. Tomorrow wasn't even here yet, but they had that much courage today to, 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 to go do what was already predetermined for them. And God was going to fulfill His purpose. What I love also about this portion of Scripture uh, and in verses 25 and 26 is that the, the, these believers, they were applying the message of Psalm 2 to their lives intimately. Even though Psalm 2 has to do with the, the end of the tribulation time, right before the day of the Lord. They were looking at that going, man, that's kind of, kind of applying to us right now. And they kind of did that. They, kind of, they, they, they didn't make doctrine out of it, but they just said, man, what's happening right now is what we've read in Psalm 2 of what will happen later on. And so they identify what's going on right now through the Scriptures and they identify their adversaries that were coming against them because when it talks about the nations, the people, the kings, the rulers, the nations were the Romans and the Gentiles that were, that, that were in their lives right now. The people was the people of Israel, the Jews. The king was King Herod who was at the time, and the rulers was Pontius Pilate. And so they're going, man, we can understand what's going on right now. It's similar to what will happen. And so I think using the Word of God brought them comfort, going, Lord, you've already pre predetermined stuff like this. All these enemies, they had ganged up on Jesus to come against Him, and they even killed Him and crucified Him. Yet God raised him from the dead, and now they understood that he is enthroned in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And so all of this that has happened in our lives was part of God's perfect plan. So there was no need to fear. Why fear? And guys, I think that when we totally understand that in our lives, we can walk in victory more often than we walk in defeat. And I think oftentimes we walk in defeat because we totally don't understand who the God of, of, of creation is, that He is sovereign. He's already gone before us. Verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, 
Look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, when opposition, when persecution comes knocking at your door, let the power of God through the Holy Spirit answer the door. <laughs> let, let, let that go before you in no matter what comes after you or towards you. The, these believers that we're reading about here, they understood that the sovereign God who sees it all was able to look at their threats, to look at the threats that were being thrown at them. Lord, you know what they just said. You know what they just told us. Why don't you grant us the boldness that we need? <laughs> grant us the boldness that we need for this situation right now. I don't know if I can get through it, but I need your strength. I found a quote from a guy named Phillips Brooks who, who lived in the 1800s, in the late 1800s. And he said this, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be strong men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power. Pray for power equal to your task. In other words, Lord, give me what I need for what's before me. Not, Lord, just give, give, me, give me that, just... just let those tasks be easy so I don't have to deal with hard things in my life. It's like, no, Lord, when hard things come into my life, you give me the power for those. A, a life of, of ease would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> but what happens to someone who lives a life of ease all their life and then sudden trouble comes? What happens to them? They're, they're, they're not strong enough to fend off any kind of problems or trouble. Christians who pray for easy lives and for tasks that they can handle are easily moved. They're easily rocked in their faith and they don't know if they could believe in a God like this or not. They, can't, they, they, don't, they, they, they don't have a clear grasp on the power of God. And what he wants to do in the life of a, of a person. <clears throat> because they can't believe that God would allow that to happen to them. I don't know if you've ever said that. I can't believe God's allowing this to happen to me. Right? And, 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 and we say that because we can't believe that God would let me go through a hard time. Through a devastating time. Through, through a time that is so heavy that I can't handle this. And don't get me wrong. It's not that we don't go through those times of, of doubt. Don't get me wrong. Don't, we, 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 don't, we, we don't get to escape being overwhelmed. We get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed just like you do. And sometimes we do doubt. And sometimes we, do, uh, we are overcome. But we can't stay there and all of a sudden say, I can't believe God let that happen to me. 
for, for those who, who understand the sovereignty of God and we get overwhelmed and we have that doubt and we, we, we get overcome, what ends up happening is we run towards God instead of away from God. And I've told people who have told that to me, I don't know if I can believe in God. It's like, okay, well, go run. Run, go do it. Go do it on your own. See what happens. And they think that I'm mean, and I'm not being mean. I'm just saying, okay, if you think that God can't handle your situation, go try and do this on your own. I don't know how you will. Again, guys, we all get overcome. We all get overwhelmed. We all have doubt. But what happens to you in that portion? Guys, understand, bad things happen to you. You're not exempt from that. The early church strongly believed in God's sovereignty and in His perfect plan for His people. But they didn't allow their faith in their sovereign God to destroy their human responsibility of what they were continuing to go do. They were still going to witness and they were still going to pray. You see, it is when God's people get out of balance and they overemphasize either God's sovereignty or man's responsibility that we lose power as a church. Another quote that I found from St. Augustine says, Pray as though everything depends on God. Pray as though everything, be- everything depends on God and work as though everything depends on you. Again, you have that balance. You, you pray as everything depends on God because it does. But then we continue as though everything depends on me because I'm not going to stop no matter what comes my way. Whatever it is. Faith in the sovereign God is an amazing and tremendous encouragement that helps us get through those times when it gets so difficult. It's amazing because it continues to give us strength to serve God. Not serve the church, serve God in whatever capacity He has called us to. Because when the going gets tough, and it does, (laughs) what do you do with that? When life gets difficult, what do you do with that? Run and hide? Quit? Go back into the world? Really? What has the world got for you? More heartache? At least when you belong to Christ and you're in Him, you gain strength from Him on a continual basis and from one another. Our prayer should be, Lord, (laughs) you are the sovereign God. And you see everything before it happens. Can you just grant to me, your servant, the boldness that I need today and the power that I need today? To be able to continue to speak your word in my own life and to others? What what, what do you suppose God's response to a prayer like that would be? (laughs) Uh, I hear you, Zeke, but I got to go confer with Jesus first. Because you're asking a lot here. I know that my spirit lives inside of you, but I don't know if I could come through giving you strength right now. (laughs) Almost sounds silly, huh? But that when we pray in that way of going, Lord, what I need from you is that you grant me your strength. 
because this task is way too big. And I want to rise to that task. I don't want to just be able to handle a task. Once you handle a task, it's like, okay, give me more. Give me bigger. And I know it's hard for us to pray that, but that's where we, that's where we mature. That's where we grow when we encounter hard times, no matter what they are. The believers that we're reading about here, their greatest desire was for boldness in the face of opposition. And the emphasis was on the hand of God doing the work in their life and in the life of the church, not in the hand of man doing the work of God. It's God's hand, not my hand. In verse 30, and the Amplifier says, While you stretch out your hand to cure and to perform signs and wonders through the authority by the power of the name of your holy child and servant, Jesus. You see, their ultimate goal was to glorify God, to glorify Jesus, because it was in His name, it was because of His name that gave them power to minister to the Word, and to reach out and perform signs and wonders in other people's lives. You see, the signs and wonders only follow the power of God <laughs> in your life. We shouldn't, we shouldn't desire signs and wonders. No, you just be faithful to Jesus and you just watch the signs and wonders follow, follow after you. Peter and John were just going to go pray. They had no clue that signs and wonders were about to happen in their lives. I think they were probably just as shocked as anybody else. <laughs> it is the glory of God, not the needs of man, that is the highest purpose to answered prayer. When we get our prayers answered, we glorify God. Not just because He met our needs, because He heard us. And we're part of him. And it says at the end here, and they were all filled. This place where they had gathered, it was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way God answered them that day. That place that they were gathered together, not to murmur, not to complain, not to gossip, but to give praise. And because of that, God met them right where they were at and He shook the place, however that looked. <laughs> In spite of the opposition. Now this was not a second Pentecost as we've seen in chapter 2 where He came upon them. No, it was a fresh filling. Just like we cannot have another Calvary. It's a one, one deal, one and done. It was one and done in, the, in, in, in Pentecost, but we can get fresh filled afresh day in and day out. That's what we're called to do so that we can go do what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. We're going to have a time of remembering the Lord and what He has done. We're, we're, we're having it to where it's open. We're going to have a couple of songs played. And, I, and my heart 
is that when, when we sit here and we contemplate what God has done in our lives, that you will understand just how good and how gracious He is to you and I. That He is the sovereign God who understood that when He sent His Son, He was going to die for our sins, and He sent them for that purpose. But He knew that in the, in the process of Him dying for our sins, He would take upon Himself your sins and my sins. And so this is what we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate this time when Jesus says, hey, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me until I come back for you. And so that's what we get to do this morning. And, and you get to come up at your leisure when the song starts and just take, go back to your seat. If you want to go grab your kids so they can be with you in this, then you go grab your kids and, be, and, and have communion as a family. Have it with the people that you sit next to on a regular basis. Why? Because we belong to Christ. We belong to His body. And we get to come together and worship and to honor Him. Pray for one another. Pray with one another. And at the same time, as, as you have the bread and you have the cup, thank God. Thank Jesus for his obedience. Thank the Lord for allowing his son to come and fulfill his determined purpose in your life. And just enjoy this intimate time with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look to you and we thank you, Lord, for our time together. We pray right now, Lord God, as even we've, re we've read your word, we understand your sovereignty, Lord. We know that, God, you have gone before us. You have covered us, Lord God. You have given us the strength that we need for today. Lord, as, as we sit here before you and as we worship and as we praise you, that, Lord, we will, we will remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. I pray for my brothers and sisters who come and get the bread and come and get the cup that as they sit and they pray on their own or with others, that they would truly remember your goodness and your grace, Lord. That they would truly understand, Lord God, how intimate this time is. Father, I pray that if there's anyone who's here who doesn't know you, Lord God, that this would mean nothing to them. Just a little piece of cracker and, and the juice. I pray that even right now, Lord, you have captured their hearts. <coughs> that they have come now to believe in who you are, to trust in who you are, to adhere to who you are, God, and to rely upon you. That, Lord, when they come and they partake, they understand that it is because of their sin that you did this. And so we look to you, Lord, as we worship and we praise you and we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.